Zero Hour Talks is produced by Gold 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Hey everyone, welcome to Zero Hour Talks. I'm your host, Kayla, coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Zero Hour Talks is where we take a moment to break down the climate justice movement. And today we're gonna be talking about misogynoir, what solidarity looks like in holding space for awesome black women. So for the next 30 or so minutes, we're all just gonna dive into these things and how they manifest in the movement space, especially the climate justice movement. I have two really amazing guests with me today that I've admired like while in the climate movement space. Zina Abdul Karim, who's a really close friend of mine, and Jamika Hadnet, who is an amazing adult organizer in the movement. So I'm gonna pass it off to them to introduce themselves. Zina, go for it. Hi everyone, my name is Zina Abdul Karim. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I have been feeling a little bit of everything recently just because life is insane right now a revolution is happening i'm protesting i'm organizing and i'm also like coordinating for zero hour within the advocacy team so it's a lot but i'm feeling good for the most part i'm feeling hopeful so jamika i wanted to like have some space for you to share some information about like your role in the movement where you are right now how you're feeling about this moment in particular yeah hey everybody Super excited to be here. The name's Shamika. I am based in DC and I currently work for 350.org. I am the head of the US national field team. So I manage a bunch of our organizers over at 350. It's a pretty, pretty big, pretty uh, intense job, but I'm an organizer at heart and that's the work that I like to do. So I was an organizer in the past and then just ended up, it was a natural progression to, to really uh, coach, support, and manage other organizers. Feeling right now, I'm feeling pretty good right now in terms of like where we are in the climate justice movement, in terms of where we are in um, the drive to defund the police, and um, really a refocus and a re-energy, not re-energy, but I feel like re-energized to do a lot of the work that we're doing right now. I remember in, what was it, 2015, um, when I was working at, at the Sierra Club in Pittsburgh and everything happened around, happened in uh, Ferguson. I knew, I thought at that moment that we were also, this was the time we're going to drive it forward, things were moving, um, but quickly soon realized that not only was the rest of the populace not on the exact same page as I was or my comrades were but that we still had a ton of work to do. Fast forward to 20, 2017 slash 2018 with what happened with Philando Castile. Also thought we were on the precipice. More change happening. Um, and then we're here in 2020 where we're seeing more uprisings, more demands on, on the state. I'm hoping that this is just like not another watershed moment that we actually get concrete change up out of it. So I'm feeling good but also a little weary. I also resonate with wanting this moment to really have some concrete change. Black liberation has been a fight for centuries. I heard um, Tenji Wei, I forget their last name from the Rising Majority, speak about how this is a once like every 50 years moment. So I'm really hoping that hold on to that, take this really far. 
And so today, like, I really wanted to speak to how Black women are fighting both sexism and racism as one, like, unit. We've seen a lot of um, misogyny specifically pointed towards Black women. So I wanted to first have us lay the groundwork of what misogynoir, like, is, the relevance of it. Jamika, if you wanted to, like, speak to that, and then Sina, you can come in after. I've seen this, uh, I saw the term misogynoir first on Twitter. I believe uh, the woman's name at the truth coined the term misogynoir, as well as other feminists on Twitter, like Feminista Jones and other women I follow. And I thank deeply for being able to educate me out of my brainwashed patriarchal princessness and in, in my internalized uh, uh, queer phobia. Uh, thank goodness. For Black women. So the term, it, it really it resonates with me as a, a very specific type of misogyny that targets Black women in particular, um, and how Black women receive that misogyny and that sexist, and it's layered even within our own community. I guess at this moment, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling really a bit weary, um, because when I'm out in the streets protesting, I've been to a couple of marches in DC. Some of us are in the crowds chanting, chanting the names of uh, Black women that have been killed at the, the um, hands of state-sanctioned violence. And then, you know, we're trying to chant their names and they're not getting as much chanting. It's not catching on. You might go to a GoFundMe page. I remember be- before people really started amplifying Breonna Taylor's name, her GoFundMe was way less than other black men, black men that have been killed due to state sanctioned violence. And just like an erasure, um, I've been seeing, I, I saw t- some tweets say their names or say his name. And that say her name movement was specifically founded and amplified to amplify black women that have been killed also by the police. I'm feeling a little bit weary, like we're still not quite on the same page. I'm anxious to dig into opportunities for political education with Black cis men or Black gender nonconforming men so that we are on the same page. You like talk to protests and chants, and I know Zena has bleeding some of those. I, y'all are, Black men are dying. This needs to stop. Black women are dying too. Trans people are dying. Trans Black women are dying. All of these people are experiencing state-sanctioned violence and they deserve justice too. So when we're when we're chanting George Floyd's name, we need to be chanting Sandra Bland's name and Breonna Taylor's name and all of the trans black women who have been victim of violence socially and state sanctions. Yes, it's extremely frustrating, but I think we also have to realize the power that we have. Where would this space be without trans black women? Where would this state this space be without black women? It is us that does the hard labor, that the the going against the grain, the grain. It's just important for us to, if we push for this, if we can force the names of femme victims who have died into the face of the media, they can't hide, they can't run. Black trans women have really paved this road for us. Thank them so much. We owe them so much what we're able to enjoy now. Misogynoir like looks like us not fighting for black trans women just as hard as we fight for like cis white women. It looks like us not fighting for dark-skinned black women just as hard, for like fat black women just as hard, masculine black women just as hard. 
as we fight against the racism that black men experience and as we fight the sexism white women experience because they do have this very interesting like relationship with oppression and privilege black men are oppressed by racism but they also enjoy the benefits of the patriarchy white women um experience oppression due to the patriarchy and they also experience the benefits of being white and so when you like are a black woman you are essentially fighting like two wars just been totally like disregarded we've been being told to humble ourselves and to watch our tone um <laughs> you know that's one that's always hitting oh, us um that's a pee <laughs> and so those are also like avenues of like misogynoir that i've been seeing zena i thought it might be helpful just to like share my experience at the protests i actually yeah. didn't expect to be leading protests or to organize protests at all i just wanted to attend and like feel represented but when i got to the Asheville protest there were white women leading chants they were they were it were white people who were leading the protest so i couldn't feel like this was something that really um depicted black pain So we walked in it was my sister and I and we started protesting and the women the white women who were leading chants which thank you but no thank you they were telling they were they were being told to like get off stage and to give the people who experienced this the platform to express themselves I I I got in like Colin Kaepernick stance and just like you know fisted it out um and started leading chants with my sister and eventually like the speaker phones made our way to us so then we just started like leading chants and saying the things that we were feeling and crying and screaming and yelling and we started marching we marched our way to the police department um it was really powerful they were saying the name of george floyd alone and the first thing that my sister and i were saying when we got on the microphones were um tamira rice brianna taylor Sandra Bland. We were saying their names and it felt real. It felt um authentic to our experiences. Focusing this moment on like specific men instead of making this about like the system that has been oppressing all black people for centuries. That's another, you know, result of like racism and sexism interacting with this moment. So thank you for highlighting that, Z. You know, waking up every morning um like a real I think I tweeted about this like a real choice between in particular for black women like which system of oppression you're going to engage in today. You going to tackle sexism, you going to tackle racism. If you are also queer, are you going to tackle homophobia? You just got to it's like which battle are you going to pick today even though you're all of those things at the same time and just getting on Twitter and seeing um what happened to activist Toyin in Florida her being a dark skinned black woman um in the videos of her and her tweeting out about the sexual violence violence that she experienced and then that culminating in her death and just seeing that play out on a national stage and then um and I'm seeing a lot of black women in pain on Twitter and then seeing a call specifically um to to black men to men uh to step up and be better to interrogate their misogyny their sexism um and to really show up in solidarity with us 
some of those calls being met with positivity. Like I think I see Chance the Rapper, like, like met a call with positivity. And, and then today woke up to see J. Cole on Twitter. <laughs> Yo. Talking out the side of his... <laughs> Talking out the side of his neck and blatantly saying a song or on Twitter that he doesn't read, that he he hasn't done the work, that there are black women, black, you know, black queer people like smarter than him on the topic and still had the nerve to say, but I think a lot as if thinking is the same as doing the research and reading and showing up. Why didn't he read a book before he posted that damn song? That's the question I have. It just reminds me of being in movement space a lot where this is this happened at my time at this year club where I'm with other black women on my team and there are men that work with us. And when we go out to a happy hour or something, they take that as permission to hit on you or grope you. And I'm like, we're in movement together. There was nothing about us having a happy hour and talking about social justice issues and climate justice issues that landed with an invitation for you to now grope me, degrade me, and make sexual advances towards me. And I've seen this in movement space where men come, they might have the right talking points, but it always ends in some sort of um, unwanted sexual advancement. I'm, I'm wondering, like, even in our spaces, like, how do we, how are we plucking these folks out and making sure that, again, we are on the same page because clearly we're not. Clearly. I think sometimes we can think of our movement spaces as free of white supremacy and sexism and sexual assaults. We can very well be like, everybody can just be victims of like having those oppressions show up in our spaces and then further like harm the people we are trying to amplify and work with in solidarity. Reading and listening to Black people and following the leadership of people we need to follow, ways to solve that. But we've seen with J. Cole and other like really popular celebrities, I guess, who are refusing to do the work. No Name literally started a book club to educate other people, to bring them into her learning space. And then we have the nerve to tell her, oh, your tone, like, it's not cute. You need to humble yourself. All these different types of um, oppression shows up here. There are a ton of Black women who are like fighting for her totally right like we've got you I just think black women are constantly fighting for other people and we always have someone's back and it's so exhausting for no one to have our backs but ourselves yeah that's been really tiring Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes you're so right um I've been seeing a lot of black women on social media coming out and saying man I am so tired of putting my life on the line for the black community when Black men are still oppressing us in the same ways that the system does. And then the other day, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this or follow Embracing embracing Black black Culture on Instagram, which if you don't, you should. Um, (laughs) It was a video of like five men throwing a Black woman into the garbage, into a dumpster. After that, they threw a big bike on top of her. After that, they tried to fight her. After that, they were shoving her into like grass, trees and woody areas, making her fall and just violence. I I have not been that physically livid over something I have seen on the internet in so long. I like personally like went out of my way to (laughs) message them and tell them that they are a disgrace. 
to me. I am so disgusted. I just feel like I saw my I saw myself in her in that dumpster. Like I knew she mm-hmm. was definitely laughing. And I was like, I've been there before. I have been victim of black men. Like I've been the joke. You know what I mean? Like I've been the girl that is just clownable for some reason to black men. Um, not to the same extent of other women, like dark skin, like I'm I'm light skinned. And there are black women who experience that worse. Wow, I can't, I am so, I'm in disbelief. I wish this wasn't real. And I wish that we had like such stronger men for us in our space, because it can be so much more powerful as a movement. And partly men can be very deeply invested in their own liberation, just as much as they're invest upholding the patriarchy that they benefit from. Those men who were like throwing her like in the dumpster. Also, I just want to emphasize that this is like a very conversation that is very black focused. I don't want white people to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were like wearing like Black Lives Matter shirts. They were going to those protests. I've seen like I know other black men who are down with the Black Panthers, down with the cause. At the same time, they're some of the most homophobic, sexist people I know. A very interesting um, relationship that they have with systems. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like a bit of disappointment from them. I feel a little bit of disappointment. Well, not even a little bit, a lot, a lot of disappointment, especially people like J. Cole. I remember being 2011 or 2010, like sitting in my dorm room listening to new J. Cole. He was one of the people that opened the doorway of consciousness for me, you know, and I remember listening to his music. He's always talked about oppression, Black oppression specifically, and his songs, but he also has, within those songs, it's laced with misogyny. We always have to grapple with that with the art we consume as well, and the, you know, the artists we uplift and uphold. I'm pretty sure, like, a lot of us like J. Cole. We would like to see better. If I am listening to your music in 2011, continuing to support you, everything that you do up to this point. If we all continue to do the work, I continue to do my work for those next nine years, still engaging with new content, still getting my information from more radical sources, still consuming the right books. It's not just something to consume a book. Like I'm not telling you to consume 48 Laws of Power. I'm telling you to go and and look up authors like Crystal Fleming, who's a wonderful professor that talks about race all the time. There are just so many books out there that folks could be reading, Zora Neale Hurston, that Black men could be consuming. Why aren't you continuing the education in the same way that Black women and Black gender nonconforming folks are doing? It's like we're showing up most of us are like, we're talking about therapy all the time, how we can be less harmful in community, how we can be less harmful to the children we bring into the world, less harmful in community spaces. I'm seeing it unravel on Twitter, constantly doing the work, constantly reinterrogating, and constantly moving towards a new way of operating through this sort of practice on Twitter. And I'm just like, where is that same sort of energy from men? And I think that that's where my deep-seated disappointment is, is because you have access. Oh, not only do you have access, there are also women out there, not me, that'll be patient with you. Um, so it's just, you know, it's like, at what point do we say, 
pull it together and then has have the nerve to record these interactions. Not only are you disgusting, violent, and harmful, you record it as if it's hilarious. Like I've seen that video and I've seen the one where the guy, a woman rejects him and he hit her in the face with a freaking skateboard. You can't That's make it up. Fragility of their manhood, honestly. Like where do you have to be in life for you to feel like if someone rejects you, you hit them in the face with a skateboard. That makes no sense. Exactly. And then with the dumpster thing, like they had a follow-up live video and you know that I was on there talking my shit. Um, <laughs> so when they were on there, they were just so like remorseless. They did not care. They were still laughing. They were still making jokes about it. I I'm just like really astounded by, by this because I guess it's extremely reflective as to where we actually are as a community. And I was hoping for more. Yeah, they just continue to ignore the pain that Black women, Black trans women, Black people face because they do have privilege. <laughs> Talking about this, I really wanted to hit on what kind of values that we want to see people uphold in the interest of Black women and Black non-binary folks. Values. Um the values of like doing the actual work of reading, digging into new resources before speaking is unacceptable that you feel that you are, your opinion or commentary is on the same wavelength as someone that has done 10 years of research and has gotten their PhD in <laughs> critical race analysis. And you come in with just an opinion and a platform and feel like yours is on the same weight when the two are not, the two do not mesh or match. Like being intentional about the sort of content you put out there and making sure that you're doing the work to back it up before you put that content out there, especially for celebrities with their platform. Also for me, it's like a non-starter that all Black people deserve liberation, regardless of if you're attracted to them or not. I'm seeing that a lot from men. What does attractive, what does me being like attractive to you have to do anything with my liberation? My liberation as a black queer woman necessitates yours. So uplifting me, you will inevitably be free. So just like that being a non-starter in our spaces and snuffing that out immediately. They're like, oh, you're canceling people, blah, blah, blah. There's not going to be anybody left. No, that's not what we mean. But if you're not willing to do the work, and if you're not willing to come into the space taking off that armor of harm that you're going to bring in, then you don't need to be there. You're making it worse. You're making it worse. So those, those for me are non-starters doing the work and really knowing that all Black people, we're going to fight for all Black people and you're not going to bring that crap here. Definitely uplifting, like what you said, sacrifice your ego if you want to actually do good work in this space. Even like myself, I have to catch myself sometimes, take in what I'm learning and what I'm listening to. If Angela Davis and if people who have been in this movement space for decades are still like, yeah, like I just want to like learn from y'all. I'm like here as someone who has knowledge and experience, but as someone who's also understanding that there is so much more for me to learn and that they're eager about that. No one can tell me that they're above sitting down and listening. That's a value like I want to see from you personally. If you don't actually change the way you interact with people, there's no way you can take down systems. That's so true. I think that there has become this culture 
for some reason of being really prideful in the things that you say, even if it's ignorant. There's, we really need to be teachable because there is so much information that can add on to what you already know. So you can up your level of pride if that is what you wish to do. Exactly what Kayla said. And first of all, I think it's insane that we are living in the time of Angela Davis and we are able to, ex- we, are, we are able to experience her in this lifetime. That's incredible. Thank you for listening to this. I love you so much. You're my icon. Um, <laughs> we just have so much to learn. We need to put our pride aside. It's really, it's cool stuff. If you are enjoying what you know now, imagine how much you can enjoy when it's intersectional. So one, I would like to really mention how, although we were like, misogynist sucks, our ask is to learn. There's no like- That is the bare minimum. (laughs) Just be smart, please. (laughs) We really like want people to work with us in solidarity because again, like Jamika said, like our liberation is tied to your liberation. We just, just sit there and learn and soak up knowledge from people who have been doing this for decades. This- is in no way like a conversation that has summed up everything about this system because that's never gonna happen. There's so much. (laughs) I really hope that we were able to share some of our thoughts and open people up to this dialogue. Jamika, I wanna thank you for your time. Thank you so much for sitting down with us and diving into these things. It was really appreciated and I learned a lot. Do you have any closing words? Yeah, I would just like to uplift what both of you have said, embrace the learning, embrace it. It's gonna make you a better, a better person, a better organizer and a better ally. Um, this movement has enveloped so many new people, like you can't run away from it. It's gonna catch you anyway. Thank you, Jamika, again for joining us today. Um, she's the head of the National Field and Organizing Team of 350. You can find out more about 350 at their website. It's 350.org. Zena is in Z Hour with me, so you can support our work by listening to this podcast. And so on behalf of myself and Z, um, we want to thank you guys for joining Z Hour Talks. You can find out more of the work we do to fight against climate injustice at thisisyourhour.org. Join us next week. I'm not sure what we'll be talking about in this ever-changing world and I really am excited for it. Lastly, thank you so much for Goal 17 for producing this for us and for allowing us to have space to talk our shit.